Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest Team Building Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. This is Matt Johnson and another episode of the Team Building Podcast. And we've got a phenomenal guest with us today. We've got a lot to dive into. We've got the man, the myth, the legend, Jeff Cohn is here with us. Jeff, first of all, what is up, man? How are you? Hey, Matt Johnson. Hey, man, I'm super good. Um, went for a jog this morning. The city had left a huge tractor tire on the side of a main road. So I thought it'd be fun to jog one mile, get to the tractor tire and roll it back to my house. <laughs> so when I got there, it's like eight degrees outside also. Uh, the tractor tires were all full of dirt. So I don't think that these were like <laughs> left there with any purpose of leaving at any point soon. It was like yeah. some men. I thought, well, I can push it with dirt in it. Yeah, it, it did not budge. So I feel about <laughs> this big right now and just ended up doing a run instead. And for anyone that hasn't ran in the cold, um, I think I'm still thawing out. Yeah, as I was going to say, the inside of your lungs might be half frozen. And and Omaha is not exactly a big CrossFitter uh, no. locale. So the idea that somebody left a tractor tire on the side that's empty that they've been flipping in their spare time. No, it just, it well, and I knew that wasn't it. I just figured yeah. the city was like, ah, leave the tractor tires. We'll get them later. Yeah. And I was like, and they will end up in my CrossFit gym at my house. So now I need uh -huh. to go find some some tires. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, that said, there's no, there's no possible smooth segue for this. So I'm just going to go there right to not. our guest and you can stop jump. talking. All, <laughs> All right. right. Mary Maloney. Mary, how are you today? Good. How are you? <laughs> doing, doing awesome. So we're well, really excited have to have you. tractor tires along the road here. Like I was Good. back in Arkansas for sure. I going to say, if you see a tractor tire on the side of the road here. here. Yeah. Freezing 51, huh? Yeah, Sounds exactly. horrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Mary, give us, uh, for those that don't know you, uh, give them a little bit of an insight, just kind of who you are, where you are, and what your team looks like. So, we are in sunny uh, North County, San Diego, and we are a boutique, boutique brokerage. We have been an indie brokerage for the past 10 years. I like to say we were indie when indie cool. And uh, we recently opened a second office and a second brand. Uh, dedicated to serving the military here in the Diego Marketplace. And so we are known as Hometown Realty in our local geographical market. And then we also have Hometown Veterans uh, that launched last year. We are a team of six to eight normally on average with uh, admin staff. And we have shifted along the way from you know, in-house everything to outsourcing uh, our admin and some of our other things. We are reaching a milestone this year. We will hit our 1,000th transaction and over uh, half a billion dollars in production for our team. So we're really excited about uh, 2018, the market, what's happening and what's happening in our industry. So it's a very exciting year for us here. Another really great thing about Mary, and that's a very impressive resume, Mary, uh, is that she is actually part of the Woman Up movement. Uh, I believe, if I say this correctly, California's real estate, is it the Real Estate Commission or the Board the of California Realtors? California Association of Realtors, yes. Yep, thank you. So you could speak to that, but one of the things that her and I talked about before the episode was just 
some of the challenges in today's world still in 2018, where there's some, um, I guess, tendency for men to continue to dominate in certain roles. The average male earns more commission than the average female. Uh, Mary was sharing with me off, off air about some of these statistics. And then also the average male earns more in executive type positions within real estate. And so I was really impressed that she's kind of been working on the realtor woman's movement. And uh, with that, we invited Mary to come and speak at an event we have yet to announce to the public. We've We've kind of teased the event, but we thought it'd be a great way to unveil uh, with Mary here on the podcast today, our team building summit that we are going to be hosting in Omaha, Nebraska. It will be sunny Omaha, Nebraska in May. So don't don't be scared. Um, save the dates. It's May 8th. Uh, the evening of May 8th is a reception party and pre-registration. And then the event's going to run all May 9th and all May 10th. Um, ticket pricing is going to be $297 for a normal ticket that gets you into the entire event, breakfast and lunch each day, all sorts of surprises. And then there's gonna be VIP tickets sold for $4.97, those are limited. And that's gonna get you into a VIP party at my house the second night. That's gonna get you front row seating and a special breakout Q&A session with all of our VIP team leader agents. And we have six coming. Um, Mary is the first that we wanted to bring on our show today. We're gonna to interview the other five over the next couple of weeks. Um, but I will mention their names, and they are committed. It's Greg Harrelson, Greg McDaniels, along with Matt Johnson, uh, Daniel Beer, and uh, Chantel Ray is going to be speaking. And then there's one more not confirmed, uh, one additional female that I'm waiting to hear back from. So we have six top team agents from across the country. So let's dive into the topic today. This is going to be a really good one. We were talking off air a little bit about how to bring the most value to our audience based on what Mary has accomplished in her obviously huge real estate career. And one of the things is gonna be the pain points that Mary and a lot of us experience as we build out our team because we're not really ready for growth. And then the other point that we wanna talk about is more on this indie brokerage, which I believe stands for independent. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I used to think it was like some type of a race thing. Like I'm like indie brokerage, like they're into race cars. Like what is that? So for anyone that wasn't sure, what Indie Brokerage stands for. It's independent brokerage brand, boutique brokerages, mom and pop brokerage, I've heard people call them, um, but they're not part of a franchise organization. And so we're gonna talk about the strategy behind partnering with a franchise versus starting an Indie Brokerage versus just keeping your team under an Indie Brokerage and or a franchise broker model. So there's lots of options. We're gonna talk about which ones are best for you. And it's gonna really be most dependent upon what each of our goals are as we move forward into the next five, 10, 15 years. So without further ado, I think Mary, we should start off by talking about some of these pain points. A lot of our guests don't wanna talk about the bad things and the challenges that they've gone through. Everyone just wants to brag about the half a billion that they've done in their career, which is very, very impressive. So let's start with some of those pain points. What was the first real big pain point you feel like your team experienced as you guys continued to be successful? So I, I don't think anyone really you know, gets into real estate or like I, I say, real estate gets into them. And then they decide, you know, I want to own a brokerage or I want to be a team leader. I don't think anyone really starts out that way. I know I certainly didn't start out that way. And so it, you kind of fail forward going through and and learning and and really needing mentors and coaches along the way. Um, and, and I was in the same boat. Um, I was an independent agent. I was then approached by the developer of the community in which I was working, the geographical farm in which I was working. 
to open a independent office for them. And they said, you know, we like what you're doing in marketing, which is my background in education. We'd like to talk to you. And we opened a, a independent brokerage, which was in a subsidiary. They were a publicly held company. And in 2008, of course, the beginning of the recession, they were already hearing squawk on the streets out of New York about AIG and Lehman Brothers and toxic countrywide debt. And so I was having breakfast with the president of the development company. And he said, you know, the, the board of directors for the company is not happy about the profit potential for the realty arm as we are hearing all of this squawk on the street. And I said, so sell it to me. And he said, I just told you it's not going to make money. And I said, so I should get it really cheap then. Right. And so that set about um, just a door opening. And I think a lot of people see opportunity as risk. And we all have a different threshold for that. And so I just stuck my foot in that door and called up. Um, my friend who had introduced me to real estate and he had a broker's license and I said, look, I, I just made an offer to do this. Do you want to come and do it with me? And so I, I think that happens for a lot of people. They just they see opportunity or their business starts to grow and then they start to bring on buyers, agents or assistants. And before you know it, they're a team and and they move through these various stages of their career from being an agent to a team leader and then the business grows and they start looking at the economics and then the decisions come, you know, could I have, you know, a better opportunity at a different brokerage or would becoming an independent make more sense for me? And I don't think any of us set out, um, you know, to do it and nothing prepares you like to run a business, like running a business, right? And so there are a lot of pain points and there are a lot of hurdles and mistakes that we all make along the way and and a lot of us that had had gone out on the the independent um dive board if you will several years ago we all started to seek each other out because there really wasn't a conference for us there really wasn't a coaching company that focused specifically on team and so all of us little independents started seeking each other out at Inman conferences and having our own little, um, uh, you know, lobby con, if you will, of just yep. little independents and teams trying to help each other, ask questions, yep. learn things. And uh, so, Mary, I'm going to stop you real quick. You pretty much yep. have the entire audience's attention because everybody <laughs> is identifying with exactly the place you have built everyone up to. And you're a great storyteller. I love all the details you've kind of helped us set the stage with my question. Um, mm -hmm. Everybody kind of happens into the team leader role. And I agree with you. Most people don't get into real estate and say, I want to be a team leader. And for those that do, I watch them come and leave within 12 months because it's really hard to be a team leader. A yes. few things that stuck out to me. Number one, you were in the marketing world before getting into the real estate world. And that yes. gave you a competitive advantage when trying to service not only the clients, but also the agents that cho chose to join your organization. You had value to offer to them. But the great right. point you made was that it wasn't an, an intentional build. It all just kind of started happening, happening organically. And with that, all right. of the building pieces probably weren't in, the, in place. And so using right. the metaphor of building and construction without a foundation in some areas, your walls fell down. What were some of the walls that fell down because you weren't ready? 
Being focused on the marketing side and, you know, launching as a boutique brokerage, which was the buzzwords 10 years ago, right? Right. Uh, to be to be boutique and to be able to offer the consumer and the agent a different experience that was more elevated um, was was what we were putting all of our benefit and value on. And mm-hmm. so as we started to scale and as we started to bring on agents and as our business started to take off, um, you know, some of the things were, you know, we lost sight of needing to constantly develop a good bench. And, you know, coming from the South, I'm a very loyal person. Having been in the military, I'm an extremely loyal person. And I think, you know, there was a lot in during that time focused on culture, building your core values, developing a culture. And we made the mistake of thinking that people would never want to leave us. We made the mistake of thinking our culture is so good. Our brand is so good. Why would any agent ever leave? And, you know, at at some point we lost sight of um, continuing to to change our model and continuing to, you know, while we were hearing, I think, our agents, um, I think we became a little bit blinded to needing to also change with our agents as they continue to grow in their business. And unfortunately, my partner and I started to have different, you know, different ideals, if you will, um, mm-hmm. which is also, you know, do you go it solo or do you have a partner uh, when you do step out to be an independent or a team? And, you know, being on the same page is, you know, really important because we had a great eight year run. But as we started to scale and as we started to change, we found that we had started to have different ideals about how to take our business to the next level. How do you mm-hmm. go to the next level? Always seeking to grow. Yeah. Do you do you want to go to the next level? I watch a lot of right. partners. One partner is good making 200 grand a year. The other partner doesn't care about the money. They just want huge growth and they're having fun with it. Or one of the partners wants to make a million dollars a net a year right. and not have to work in the business. And then right. one person wants to be a team leader or the CEO or the business manager. The other one right. wants to go flip houses and is done running the right. real estate team. So it can <laughs> right. create all sorts of all sorts of challenges. So let's back it up a minute. You've talked about your bench. And I think this is probably the one point I've noticed is the biggest struggle for team leaders. And I, we have obviously our elite real estate systems coaching organization. We have 70 top team leaders from across the country that are plugged into our system. So there is now an answer for the indie broker and the top team leader from a coaching standpoint. They can plug into right. our team's flagship coaching. Um, one of the challenges is that these a lot of top team leaders and a lot of people will identify with me are constantly asking, should I bring on five more agents if the foundation's not there? It's like the reverse challenge of man, I don't know if I wanna add agents, I'm not really sure we can take on more people and I don't know how it's gonna affect my culture and affect our business and affect our workflow. And I always come back to the three pillars and I'll try to bring it up every podcast we ever host, Matt. And those three pillars of any successful business, not just in real estate, number one is recruiting. And for recruiting, if you're not in residential real estate, it's simply recruiting talent to your organization. Number two is retaining that talent by continually offering more and more value. You continually build it. And I love what Mary said where she thought, how could anyone leave us? 
I I'm stay up at night. People, every time an agent leaves, it hurts, right? It doesn't matter what they produce. It hurts because they're saying, I don't want to be with you. It's like someone breaking up. It's not yeah. me or it's not you. It's me. You know, and you hear that all the time when the agent leaves. It's, you know, the team's great. It's just not a good fit for me. And it's like, how can it be a good fit? We are awesome. The office is awesome. I'm awesome. We give you leads. We do all this stuff for you. But at the end of the day, they leave because they don't believe there's a value for them. And then the third foundational piece to this, the third pillar is continual training training your staff, training your agents, training your direct reports, continually helping others level up. And that's obviously a value add piece. And so what you're talking about, about filling the bench, that's the recruiting element. And we have to always know people will leave. That's part of the equation. It's just like, if you list 10 houses, one of them's gonna cancel. If you go on five listing presentations, you know, maybe three of them don't list with you. It's just part of the equation. Your agents will leave. Everyone listening today, your agents are gonna leave. Some of them are gonna leave and just be prepared for that. And you prepare by simply adding more and more agents to that bench. So I'm glad you brought it up and I know that's a, lot, a pain point a lot of people experience. So diving a little bit into more of what you talked about where you knew that you needed to adapt. I think our audience would like to probably have us go deeper into that. I know we had talked off the air about our commission splits and the interview I'd had with Kyle Whistle and being transparent about that. I saw a need when we first launched my team um, the agents would take all of my buyer leads, but I got all their listing leads. And I quickly saw a need to shift to a map because I knew listings was where it was at. I, I think a true leader always gives their followers the ability to be just like them and work the business just like them. So I thought they should be able to work both sides. Um, and then we also had a thing where until they did 4 million in production, they only made a 60-40 split on listings, but they could make up to a 75-25 on buy sides. And I changed, I kept changing my splits. I started low for anyone listening, start low and then give a little and give a little and give a little until you figure out where that profit margin needs to be. And it's dependent upon your average sales price, your average commission that you retain. So where were some of those little pain points you guys experienced where you saw that there needed to be a shift and maybe had you shifted a little bit sooner, you would have retained a little bit more of your talent? Yeah, I think, you know, at the time we were running um, splits based on gross volume and you know, I have to own my my part in. I was so busy marketing, advertising, build, building brand, about you know, being the evangelist, if you will, for our company. Right. That I kind of had my head in the sand when it came to finances and P and Ls and books. And you know, I'm an artist. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I'm not the operator of of the organization. Was your so partner kinda, an operator? I'm sorry. Sorry to cut you off. Was your partner? in the weeds, in the book, right. were they the implementer and you're the visionary? Taxes and working okay. with the bookkeeper. Oh. And awesome, Gross. that's great. That's all great. The, you need all that the best parts, <laughs> just the best yes. parts, yeah. Right, <laughs> all the fun right. stuff. Yeah. And, and most real estate agents aren't operators, we are artists, we're high D's, high I's, we love people, yep. we wanna be out there yep. in the trenches and, and I still produce to this day because I just love real estate and it also as a team leader keeps me relevant so as an owner, it, it keeps me relevant to what struggles my agents yeah. are going through. But, yeah. you know, at the time we were running splits based on gross volume and we weren't paying attention that as we scaled up and we had run a very geographically driven business, high direct mail, high community exposure, lots of past clients sphere, you know, 13% of our business walks through our front door because of our geographic location and our farm. Um, you know, we were we were running a very tight ship. And then um, what we didn't keep up with was 
as our business scaled up, our expenses were scaling faster than our revenue and we mm. weren't paying attention to the commission model. And we were, you know, I was doing business to keep the doors open. And it's like, mm. this doesn't make sense. Yeah. And, yep. you know, when we, by the time we, we started to pick the PL apart, figure out where we were, you know, sinking money and where the black holes were, we hadn't kept up with the shift in the commission model that our agents were seeking. And, mm-hmm. you know, at, at some point as well, when you have agents that, that are growing a, a um, past client and sphere type of business and they move from needing your leads to now self-generating the business and scale back the expenses for that particular agent and allow them to go on a different split, then yep. they go seeking opportunity elsewhere. Yep. Um, Mary, I, I'm gonna jump in quick. I had just recently experienced this where for about five years, my team operated where about a third of our deals were coming from internet leads we generated and we kept 50-50. And the agents, um, two thirds would come from their sphere or their outbound prospecting in which they would keep on average, an 80-20 split. Well, net-net, on my PL, if I made a million dollars, um, thir- uh, 60% of our gross commission was going to agent commission, 10% was going to overhead expenses, and 30% I was retaining as net profit. Well, last year, only 25% of our deals came from internet leads. So we were down about 5% on that 50-50 split. And it ended up on our GCI, I weeded 3.1 million gross commission income, but 70%, I don't even know if Matt Johnson knows this, but I ended up paying out 70% in gross commission income, 10% in overhead, and I only kept 20% GCI, or sorry, net income, 20% net income. I still made 600 plus thousand dollars net and worked five hours and made money off all sorts of other streams of income attached to the real estate sale, but I took a loss. Um, and I was watching and I knew that that was going to happen. I was prepared for that. And I, I, this is a really important point I wanted to make. And I'm glad this came up because we haven't said this yet. As you grow bigger, it's okay to make less as a percentage. I'm okay getting to the point I talked to Mary off air. I, I, we want to do a thousand sales this year, a thousand units. I'm okay if I make a little bit extra, but not, I don't need to hit that 30% margin. 20, 25% is really good. So for anyone listening, the goal I think should be around 25 to 30%. Um, net profit off of the gross commission, you have to eliminate, if you're a team leader selling, and I, I still go on listing presentations myself, I don't service anyone, but I'll go on a list press, you have to eliminate your income. And Mary made the point, she had to sell to keep the team afloat. That's not a business, that's a job. And I'm not right. trying to beat you up, Mary, you know that just yourself. No, if your team can't, and, and that's okay, a lot of us go through that and you have to kind of retool it. And the, the challenge was probably just not having enough agents on the bench to be selling to offset right. all of your sales. But when you guys analyze your PL, you have to treat yourself as one of the agents on the team. That's separate from the real estate business that you own. And after you take that out, you then you need to make 30% net off of the gross commission income that you drive to the team. Um, I like seeing a business that pays out 60 to 70% in agent commissions. The MREA, Millionaire Real Estate Agent Bible from Keller Williams, will say that you should only pay out 40% in commissions. I think that's horrible. I don't think that that's fair to the agent. I don't think you can create enough value to make up the difference of 30% that that agent might be able to get if they went somewhere else. And then you should always expect to have about 20 to 25% in overhead costs. We only incur 10% to date, and that's how it's been the last six years because we've offset using transaction fees. We made 400,000 last year in transaction fees, 599 on the buy, 999 on the sell. And then we also have make about 14,000 a month in marketing service agreements, which pays for all of our outbound marketing, like Google ads, Facebook ads, Craigslist, and our 
Boomtown CRM. So sorry to interrupt. I just this was an no. awesome topic that I haven't gotten to dive into that I thought would be helpful and I could drop a couple value bombs for our audience. So let's shift gears and talk a little bit more about the decision to run an indie brokerage or a boutique brokerage versus just keeping that uh, boutique brand within a franchise so you have the value that the franchise offers or within another indie brokerage so you don't have to take on all the responsibilities that a broker has to take on. And that might be a limiting belief. So help, let's break that idea down for those listening that are still at, uh, within a, a team at an indie brokerage or at, on a team within a franchise, what are some of the advantages of going off on your own? So I think a few years ago, it, it became very sexy um, to have an indie brokerage, right? And there were all of these uh, articles and, you know, Real Trends uh, was talking about how the, the bigger companies were going to come in and buy uh, smaller indie brokerages. And we all had these visions of our little independent brokerages being right. millions of dollars. And that was going to be our exit strategy. Mm. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's just not reality. Because if you're not going to scale, at least in our market in Southern California, if you're not going to scale to, you know, at least 100 agents with regional offices um, and, and really move from, you know, being in real estate to the business of real estate, right. the, the idea that some bigger fish is going to come in and, and offer you, a, you know, a, a big chunk of money and big bait it is it's just not reality. And so you know, times have changed and the consumer has changed, the agent has changed, our industry is changing. And, you know, I know a lot of people that that came onto, let's say, the indie side, uh, the dark side, uh, are uh -huh. now saying, you know, if, if I had just stayed a team, I could be far more profitable and really do the things that I love about this business. Because when you decide to step out into an indie brokerage, you take on a whole nother layer of exposure, liability, responsibility, resources, administration, everything that if you don't have a desire to do that, staying as a team under the umbrella of another brokerage that allows you to focus on what you do best and your strengths, could possibly be a better solution. And we all know that, you know, teams are, have come on in a big way over the past few years. I think there are what, 17,000 teams across the country now. And, yep. and for many, it, it's, a, it's a more financially viable solution. It's, it's a better um, stress, <laughs> uh, stress solution for them. Uh, versus right. staying up at night, you know, worrying if you're yep. going to pay the rent or not. Yep. So, so let, let me dive in. And I think you made some awesome points. And Johnson, you can jump in on this too. I ran a um, income calculator. I always spreadsheet everything out. And shockingly, I'm a high DI, but I have some SC skills that I honed in on in college. Um, I Primarily my statistics class, I was like the biggest nerd and absolutely loved it because it was the first time where math came alive for me and showed me how I could net more money in less time. Right with less energy and I'm like, to, oh my can, gosh. Yeah, when so, we have to, we can pull we can right? pull those SC skills, but for very right? short bursts of time. <laughs> That's right, I'll That's, go like go for an hour <laughs> at one in the morning and then I can't look at it for a month. So I have an, a calculator, just so everyone knows this, I've chosen to keep the team model within Berkshire Hathaway. Mm. I am paying tons of money to the Berkshire Hathaway franchise. And if I was at Remax or Keller or anywhere else, I'd be paying a lot to them as well. A lot of you listening are sharing my, my pain points. But I've ran the calculator to see what would the cost be associated with going off on my own and starting an indie brokerage or doing like an, the AXP model. Um, and 
what I found is that I would make more money. Um, I wouldn't make all of it back. People are like, oh, I gave my brokerage $200,000. I would have kept all of that. You wouldn't have kept all of that. You would have had to have a front desk person. You would have been sorting mail for people. You would have been sued a couple of times and had to protect yourself on the lawsuits. You would have been babysitting in ways that you're not babysitting today with brokerage related issues. But I can get past that. To your point, Mary, you know, if you have the skill set and most of us do, we can start a brokerage. We can run an indie brokerage. But do you want to? Where's right. the profit going to be? Is the profit in owning that big brokerage box and that model, um, especially within the franchise where you have to rule, follow their rules, or is the profit in the team? And I think it comes down to what I had said we would challenge our audience with the mindset of what's your future goal? My future goal was never to sell the team. People get into this whole, well, you got to build it and sell it. I'm like, we're not a tech company. We're not a piece of stock. Like, <laughs> we're, what are, like I don't even know yeah. what the agents are talking about when they say sell it. I made a million dollars net last year and I didn't sell real estate and I worked five hours, how much would someone have to give me to sell that asset? Like they needed to pay me like $7 million for me. Yeah. And I've thought about yeah. it. I'm like, how much would that be? I'm like seven million is my number. So if someone wants to buy my team, call me up, I'm, I'm, I'm for sale now. So I'm like, there's just, no one's gonna pay $7 million. Perfect. Awesome. <laughs> That's a verbal commitment. Everyone heard it. This is live and recorded. So, you know, I think I thought a lot about this. I'm like, what's the point? And the point for me is passion. I love it. I want to influence as many people. That's why we started the coaching company. That's why we have the podcast. I can influence my agents and I've watched so many of them become better. Obviously, the revenue has to be there to compensate me for the time that I spend on the team and in the team. Um, but all of us have a different reason. And if your reason is to sell, you probably want to be a part of a brokerage where there's a lot of other people that buy those brokerages. So I know like KW, there's a lot of operating partners that will buy other brokerages as long as they're doing well and there's the ability to see growth. But don't get too caught up in having to own a brokerage now if you want to sell later. One of the points I've made to a lot of people in these discussions is at any point, you can go and become a brokerage. So you could build your team and build your team and build your team. And 10 years from now, you could align with whoever the hot brokerage is at the time. EXP is getting a lot of traction right now. Buy into that brokerage, run it for 12 months and sell. And most of these sales aren't a check for 7 million. It's a check for 25% of the 7 million up front. And you still have to run the team the next three years. And the team has to still perform the next three years, even after you've sold it. So the, right. I think if there's a myth, yes, you've heard of the white unicorn. There are some. But for the most part, people aren't selling these teams and making millions. And I don't even understand why people want to sell the team because if you run it the right way and build the right type of business, it should create, it should generate a positive revenue that you can then choose to deploy in other things. And so my big why was I want to exit, I want to run a CEO team, I want to start other businesses. And as most of our audience knows, I own title, insurance, a flipping business, a coaching company, a call center, commercial real estate, multifamily, single family. And I have all, all these other things going and I'm living and pursuing my dreams because I have the direct reports in place, I have a team that's generating positive cash flow, um, and I, I'm able to go and be a, a thought leader and a visionary, and I'm doing all the things I've always wanted to do. The biggest challenge I see, and you can challenge this, is agents aren't willing to stop in the production role. They're not ready to stop trading time for money. Even top team leaders um, listening to this podcast who have very large successful teams are still spending 20 or 30 hours a week servicing clients. Well, right. all of that time spent servicing clients is keeping you from being able to do a title company or start a side business that you always dreamed of or keeping you from, right. you know, maybe going out and recruiting more aggressively or training more aggressively to retain your talent. So I, I would like to challenge a lot of the people listening if they are still going and servicing, opening doors on showings, negotiating contracts on listings. Find a, someone really talented on your team and give them that business. Let them keep 25% of the commission and quit doing those activities because they're keeping you from reaching your full potential. 
Yeah. What are your thoughts? People really need to decide, you know, what is it that they love about this business? And um, there's there are so many ways. But at the end of the day, I think people really have to also look at their lives. You and I were talking about this uh, before we went on air. You know, I have grown children and I'm turning 50 this year. So I'm. Wow. You look great. Oh, you're so kind. Um, please, please stop. Right. I mean, I would have guessed 39. <laughs> I, I'm actually shocked you're almost 50. Um, I actually was you know, shocked when you told me, you told me off air that she had a, your 23-year-old, a 23-year-old yeah, youngest. She's your, 22, yeah. Senior and she's college, your youngest. I was like, oh, yeah. impressive. Yeah. So, By the way, Mary also gets up at 5 a.m. every day. Which I thought was insane. I'm like, as a real estate agent who owns her own business, who could sleep in, the kids are out of the house, I'm assuming. Um, and yes. she's getting up early and her husband's getting up too. I think that you guys are great examples of, you know, early to bed, early to rise makes a person healthy, wealthy, and wise. And you certainly are. It's so, statistically proven you will live longer. Um, I agree. But I think people have to also look at their lives. And, you know, if you have young children or, you know, what stage of your life are you in so that, one part of your life doesn't take over the rest of it. And, right. you know, I'm yeah. as a woman business owner, you know, the guilt comes in. And I often ask my 22 year old, you know, did I spend enough time with you when you were growing up? And, um, know. you know, she's always like, mom, stop it already. You know, <laughs> but I'll tell you, she's a damn good negotiator at this point in her life from all those phone calls in the car. But um, I I think all of us share in that same fear. I, I, I thought often about like, I'm like, did I change a diaper? I don't remember holding the baby at three in the morning. I think my wife got up and honestly, I never got up in the middle of the night and I don't think I changed very many diapers and I have some of these regrets. And for those listening, if you, if you still have your kids at that young age or whatever age, stop having regrets, just time block to spend time with people that matter to you or to go and work on the hobby you have always wanted to work on or to go work right. out every day for 60 minutes. Just just do it. And, Thank you. And, just do it. And keeping an open mind, like you said, you own, you know, a flipping business. You, you know, you do all these other things. You know, we've started buying and preparing for retirement and buying investment properties. And, you know, it's one of the things I love about this business is I, I really take pride in our team and our agents. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it is a reflection on us that we groomed these agents that went out on their own and now run successful teams themselves. Yes, we did that. And I'm proud of that. I'm not happy that they left, but, you know, I'm proud of what they're doing in our industry and in our business and they're serving clients. And I, I want to continue to to help at this stage in my life, you know, the agents that are on our team now, helping them to to really uh, build a life and have success, whatever that definition of success is. This business will allow you to do that. We have, you know, um, team members that have just had beautiful little babies and buying first homes. And then we have, you know, folks that, you know, are on the down leg and their kids are seniors in high school and now they're they're ready to enter a new phase of their life and they've been able to pay for college, pay for college in cash uh, from real estate and their kids are able to graduate college with no college debt. So, you know, investing in our team, you have to be ready for that if you want to run a team, whether that's a team, a team brokerage, an independent brokerage, there are all different kinds kinds of models and 
but investing in people has to be one of your number one priorities if you're going to do this. Yeah, love it. That's great advice from a wise and a very experienced young real estate agent. Thank you, Mary Maloney. <laughs> um, you guys, we're at time. I, I, I want to just re remind everyone, we will be sending out invites. Uh, we will have an Eventbrite and Wix page set up on, I believe, the 26th of February. And so when this launches here in about a week or so, Matt, I'll get you the links for signing up for the May event. Mary will be speaking at that event and she'll also be at a few VIP breakouts. So you get to meet her in person. Like I had mentioned, there's gonna be five other top team leaders from across the country um, that will be in attendance as well. So this is gonna be the first ever team building summit in Omaha, Nebraska, May 8th, 9th, and 10th. Uh, we're gonna start selling tickets. There is a limited space. Um, for both the regular tickets and the VIP tickets. Um, and there will be more information on that here in the coming weeks. Also, we continue to offer our team building workshop in Omaha. For anyone that's already an Elite Real Estate Systems member on the team leader track at $4.97 a month, they can come out to the workshop for just $9.97. So if you sign up for that and then wanna come out to the workshop, it's only $9.97. Otherwise, it's $29.97 to come out to the team building workshop. The next event is on March 26th. And it's an all-day event in Omaha. You fly in Sunday night, you hang out with us all day. I'll be there all day. And we run through all sorts of stuff. People, when they leave, always say it's more information they ever dreamed of that you can then implement in your business. And most people that come out, they see 100% return within 12 months. They double their team size. And that's our promise is you come out to the workshop and implement the things that we teach. Your team will double within 12 months if you implement the changes. So a lot of it comes back to the recruiting, retaining, and then mm -hmm. continual training to help people be better, just like Mary was talking about. Pour your heart and soul into your people. They'll stay with you. They'll become better. They'll reach their dreams. And that will help you reach yours. That's right. Awesome. And Mary, share with people how they can connect with you and learn more about what you're doing. Absolutely. I would love to connect with anyone, all of my power women out there. Be sure to, to reach out to me. I look forward to seeing you in Omaha. Mm -hmm. But uh, you can reach us at hometownnorthcounty.com or our military uh, brand at militaryhometown.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find me personally at Mary Maloney, Facebook and Instagram. And uh, I just look forward to connecting with everyone. Thank you so much. Awesome. You were great, Mary. Thank you. That's right. And, and guys, for the uh, for the podcast itself, make sure to subscribe, whether it's YouTube for the video versions or you want to go over to iTunes or Stitcher or grab your Apple podcast app. Either way, just uh, subscribe to the show. Remember to leave a five star rating and review on iTunes, which uh, helps the show get found by people that are searching for this type of information and make sure to recommend uh, the show to the other fellow team builders and indie brokers that, you know, in your world, they're looking for this type of information because I don't know of any other podcast that goes this deep on these types of uh, conversations that, like Mary was saying, typically, you know, are taking place essentially in the hallways of other conferences. Uh, so nobody really talks about this stuff on a podcast. So this is really the only one out there that does this, guys. So make sure to tell people about the show. Uh, and with that said, guys, Jeff and Mary, thank you so much. This was awesome. And everybody that's watching and listening, we will see you on the next one.